welcome back to the Ancient Art Podcast. Hang on tight, folks, as we take another excursion a bit off-topic in this episode to explore the art and life of one of the most influential 20th century Japanese woodblock print artists, Hiratsuka Unichi. An exhibition of Hiratsuka's prints was recently on view at the Art Institute of Chicago through January 4th, 2010. And now that the exhibition's closed, so too are the Japanese art galleries as the Art Institute prepares for a grand reopening of the newly renovated Japanese art galleries in the fall of 2010 called the Weston Wing. So be sure to head on down to the Art Institute in the fall and check out the new Weston Wing of Japanese art. The Art Institute has a particularly strong collection of prints by Hiratsuko Nichi, thanks largely to the generosity of the Van Zelst family, who were close personal friends of the artist and his family. All the prints on display in the exhibition were given to the Art Institute by the Van Zelst family, and I recently had the extreme pleasure of walking through the show with the Van Zelsts, which was pretty inspirational for this episode of the podcast. Hiratsuko Nichi was born November 17, 1895, and died on November 18, 1997, at the ripe old age of 102 and a day. You know he was doing something right. He grew up during Japan's Meiji era, a time of tremendous globalization for Japan and a fascination with the Western world. In this new global climate, Japan found itself facing the decision of which aspects of traditional Japanese culture to save, and how Japan's culture would be redefined in the modern world. Through Hiratsuka's early exposure to Western art and illustrations in his school books, and through the rich Japanese cultural traditions surrounding him in his youth, Hiratsuka played a pivotal role in the modernization, preservation, and revitalization of Japan's print art form. You might be most familiar with colorful prints of kabuki actors, beautiful courtesans, and gentle landscapes from Japan's classical era of woodblock prints of the floating world, the ukiyo-e, during the Edo period of 1615 to 1868. There's a great introductory video on ukiyo-e prints and culture produced by the Brooklyn Museum of Art for the 2008 exhibition Utagawa, Masters of the Japanese Print, 1770-1900. to you can find it online at the long URL of brooklynmuseum.org slash exhibitions slash Utagawa, and you'll find that link in the transcript of this episode at ancientheartpodcast.org. Going beyond the art of the floating world, Hiratsuka was one of the early pioneers of the creative print movement, Sosaku Hanga, established in the early 20th century. He and a few other like-minded artists adopted the term creative, or sosaku, for their new print style to draw two clear distinctions from the tradition of Japanese woodblock printing. One, these artists had sole creative responsibility for their works from beginning to end, breaking down the traditional triangle of designer, carver, printer in which these wholly separate individuals or workshops were traditionally involved in the mass-scale commercial printmaking process. And the second distinction to prints of the traditional sort, in their argument, creative prints exhibit the creative self-expression of the artist. You could say that's not entirely unlike the contemporary early 20th century European modernist artists and the earlier Impressionists, who were both significant influences for the Japanese creative print artists. But if creative print artists were rebels against the established tradition of Japanese woodblock printing, then Haratsuko Nichi was a rebel among rebels. 
Many of Horatzka's fellow creative print artists strongly reflect the influences of Western modern artists. Works by Yamaguchi Gen and Onshi Koshiro could easily be hung side by side with Paul Klee and Piet Mondrian. Horatzka, however, was deeply motivated by Japan's ancient spiritual traditions. As a young boy, Horatzka was surrounded by talented woodworkers on account of his father's lumber business and his grandfather's architectural career. He showed an early interest for black ink on white paper with a childhood fascination for carved wooden ink stamps. In his hometown of Matsui, he grew up near the famous Shinto shrine of Izumo, in whose faith a reverence for the natural worlds expressed through undecorated, unpainted wooden sculpture and architecture. Horatzka must have picked up on that purity of the natural wood and built a career expressing his spiritualism through undecorated, uncolored black ink woodblock printing. He also considered his art to be somewhat sacred by way of its roots in the earliest form of blacking printing of Buddhist sutras, spiritual texts, and sacred imagery. In early Buddhist printmaking, the key block was the authoritative sacred template designed and carved by the master monk of the monastery. Then the master's pupils would print and color the works by hand. So by distilling his art form purely to the key block, Hratzka paid a similar respect to his own blacking printing. Earlier in his career, Hratzka experimented with color printing, but eventually decided that color weakens the emotional power of black ink on paper. Throughout much of his life, he was also an avid collector of early black ink Buddhist prints, and notably antique temple roof tiles, both of which strongly inspired his art. He also experimented with various carving techniques and instruments, including the traditional Japanese straight-bladed woodworking knives, and also western curved U- and V-shaped chisels. Side by side, some of his prints remarkably demonstrate the different results that the different tools can produce. Many of his prints also exhibit his trademark jagged or wavy lines produced from a unique rocking technique that he developed, in strong contrast to the smooth, straight hairline details of classical floating world prints of the Edo period. Also unconventional in Horatzka's style was that he executed much of the design process during the actual carving of the block, reworking the design and changing his mind along the way. Conversely, in the traditional triangle of designer, carver, printer, once you reached the carving stage of the woodblock, the design of the final print was completely determined. Horatzka is well recognized for having frequently worked in very large scale, carving all the way up to the very edge of the block of wood, but later also printed in a small postcard size so that his works would be a bit more affordable and marketable. Whether working in large or small scale, though, Horatzka's carving technique seems to reflect the tradition of ancient Buddhist stone rubbings, another early influence of ancient spiritualism for Horatzka, which we also see reflected in the style of one of his more prominent pupils, Munakata Shiko. In 1962, Hratzka moved to the United States to be with his daughter's family, but the change of venue didn't slow him down. He continued to carve new blocks and made prints based on old sketches that he'd done sometimes even years earlier. He also explored the American landscape around him for inspirational subjects. It's interesting to see so many of these Western subjects rendered in Hratzka's multifaceted cosmopolitan style. For all his achievements, Horatzka received multiple exceptional accolades. In 1970, the Japanese emperor awarded him the Order of Cultural Merit, which had never previously been awarded to a print artist. And in 1977, Horatzka became the first artist ever to be awarded with the Order of the Sacred Treasure. 
Hiratsuka Unichi remains a modern master who explored ancient traditions and contemporary innovation, motivated by deep spiritualism and globalization. He broke the rules of the rigidly predefined role of woodblock carver and inspired a new generation of artists. If you want to learn more about the life and work of Hratsuka Nietzsche, there's a great catalog to an earlier exhibition called Hratsuka Modern Master from 2001. Don't forget to head on over to ancientartpodcast.org where you'll find a photo gallery for this episode of the Ancient Art Podcast and many more. You can also visit an online virtual gallery of the exhibition that I put together using the Art Institute's online collection database at tinyurl.com slash 2009 I hope you didn't mind the tangent of this episode, breaking away from strictly ancient art. I'm excited to report that I'll be going to Egypt in early 2010 as a study leader for an Art Institute travel program, so we can look forward to many interesting ancient adventures after I get back. I appreciate your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. You can reach me at info at ancientartpodcast.org or with the feedback form on the website. You'll find me on Twitter at Lucas Livingston, and you can leave your comments on YouTube, iTunes, or on the website itself. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on the Ancient Art Podcast.